0: Genesis, Genesis chapter uh, 42. Uh, excuse me, turn to Genesis. We're going to get to Genesis 42. Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 40. Uh, I've mentioned that when we're home, I, I do our Salt and Light, our seniors' ministry, and so we're all pretty much on the same Bible reading schedule, and so. Uh, a couple times a year throughout uh, uh, our, our meetings on Wednesday morning, I will bring a challenge or a few thoughts from a passage of Scripture where we happen to be in our Bible reading. So if you're on the church Bible reading schedule, uh, we just came through Joseph. We're uh, going to finish up with uh, Joseph in about another uh, uh, couple of days. But there are some things that, that kind of popped out uh, at me as I was coming through here. Plus, Miss Joy bought a book in at some random book sale someplace or whatever. And uh, I am not an outside book reader. I, I very seldom read anything that's, that's not connected with my Bible or some kind of Bible study or whatever. But I don't even remember, uh, it was my, what was it? walking through the Bible. It kind of caught my attention. It's right there by, uh, in the bookshelf by our bed. And so I thought, well, I wonder what that is about. Well, I pulled it out and it's uh, it's about a man that has uh, kind of went on a spiritual journey, not necessarily on purpose, uh, but he, he uh, he's a writer. Uh, he he's, does several different things, but he put together a five or six part series that was I saw one of the hour-long programs that he did uh, on PBS. And uh, I don't watch a lot of PBS, but whenever they're having their uh, marathon, gaining money to promote PBS, they always have some halfway decent programs on there. And so here's this guy that he's taking a a journey, and he's going through, wandering through uh, different places in Israel and And uh, so I watched it. I enjoyed it uh, because Cheryl and I have had a chance to be able to be there. uh, I'm kind of drawn to anything that's going to take me to that part of the world to be able to watch it. Well, this, as I started the book, I thought, well, I'm going to read the first couple of chapters and I'll jump jump to the end of the book to uh, be able to read what his conclusion was. Well, upon first reading it, I didn't realize that the guy was Jewish. He doesn't mention it. He spent some time growing up in a in a church, uh, he didn't even say church. Going in in a in a home where the uh, spiritual things were talked about. But then, about the time he was in high school, he left, took off on his own on his own journey and everything. Well, this book, I'm taking it home with me to bring back, bring back later. Right now, he is he has decided that uh, what he wanted to do just to be able to get some insights in the Bible after he uh, decided to, he made a trip to Israel just on a whim. I'm Jewish. I'll go to Israel. And through that, the Lord or himself or something prompted him. Well, you've started reading the Bible again. So I'm thinking that he's searching for things. And uh, So he decided that as a Jew, maybe it'd be a good idea to just follow the Bible. So Genesis is one of my favorite books of the Bible. There is so much in here that lays the groundwork for all of what God does and did that with his following the journey of through the Old Testament, I just finished up where he is with Joseph. And it's kind of like a commentary in between the verses that we're reading right now. Absolutely fascinating. Because he, he will explain, or, or one of the guides that he's traveling with them says, OK, here's why they stopped here. And this is what took place, and this is why it took place. I never stopped to think about the importance of Jacob's wells. Until I started reading reading this passage. Water, because there's not a lot of lakes, rivers, and things like that in Israel, water is very important, especially when they were shepherds. And so it wasn't, we just need water to be able to, uh, to drink, but they had to water their flocks. Anyway, just absolutely fascinating. So because between reading that, between reading uh, in our Bible reading, I, I thought, let's, let's jump back here to uh, Joseph. And uh, just take a look at what's going on in his life. Genesis chapter 40 and verse 1. And it came to pass. Isn't that the way life is in general? It comes, and it's just here for a short season, and then it passes on. time Time keeps ticking on. And it came to pass after these things. After what things? After what things are you talking about here? When time is passing, sometimes it's important for us to look back and see what God has done in our life. Now, there's times that he says, Remember. I don't remember how many times in the Bible the word remember or remember. But there's times that we're supposed to, things we're supposed to remember. There's things that we're not supposed to remember. We're not supposed to remember a lot of what was for those of us who didn't get saved till later on in life. There's a bunch of stuff we need to just forget. Unfortunately, sometimes it's hard to forget. Uh, To this day, I can walk into a Walmart or someplace like that. I'll hear three notes. I'm not even listening. I'm not even paying attention. I'll hear three or four notes of a song on the speaker system, and I'll turn to Cheryl and tell her what the song is. That stuff never goes away. Young people, I don't know how many times the pastors mentioned or whatever, stay away from the world, worldly music. It will do nothing but drag you down. It'll, it'll put you in places you don't really want to be. And it came to pass after these things. Well, what kind of things are they talking about? Turn back to uh, uh, Genesis chapter 39. The, uh, I don't really have a, a title for it for the message today, but if I did, it'd be something like, is it circumstances or does God work in the affairs of men? The world is going to say, what circumstances? You know, this just happened or it's a coincidence or uh, it's just the circumstances of life. Well, there are some things that are circumstances, but I believe, God works in the affairs of of men. And so we look at Joseph, and we're not going to go all the way back to to the beginning, but if there's ever anybody that could have gotten frustrated with God or the circumstances of life, it easily could have been Joseph. Genesis 39, verse 2, and the Lord was with Joseph. Okay, he's he's been put in the pit by his brothers. They've, They've had enough of his talking. Put him in a pit. They sell him. Send him off to who knows where. They don't care. They just don't want to deal with him anymore. He finds himself uh, down in Egypt. He ends up becoming a slave. He's been bought. At this point, uh, he is about 20 years old. Uh, Verse 2, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper uh, by his hand. And Joseph found grace in uh, in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer of his house, and all that he put into his hand. Kind of an unusual situation. Uh, but because God is with him, God is blessing with it. But stop and think about uh, all the people over the years, uh, pick a country, that have bought servants or slaves and in a very short period of time say, man, I, I, I bought you, but I'm going to just turn over all my finances, all, everything to, to my household. I'm going to turn it over to you, and I'm going to take care of my business that I have over here with the Pharaoh. Kind of an unusual situation to happen in such a short period of time. Look at verse 20, Uh, so between where we were and verse 20, uh, Potiphar's wife has falsely accused him of trying to have a relationship with her. He flees, uh, ends up when he leaves, whether she grabbed his coat or he left his coat or dropped his coat, it's left there. So Potiphar comes home and she says, this is what the guy tried to do, falsely accuses him. Uh, so then he gets, his master gets upset, puts him in prison. Verse 20, uh, 20 and Joseph, Joseph's master uh, took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. What? <laughs> Obviously prisons then are different than prisons now. Uh, i 'm assuming if I talk to uh, to Dan who has spent some time spent some time in jail in the prison as a, as a guard as a uh, uh, that he 's more in charge than the average prisoner is going going to be, but the Lord blesses him verse twenty two and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph uh, Joseph and all the prisoners that were in the prison and whatsoever they did there. He was the doer of it. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made prosper. Real unusual situation. Here's a guy, early mid-twenties, that even when he's in prison, the after a short period of time, the chief jailer, whatever he is, says, you know, you've done such a good job. I'm just going to leave you in charge of all this. Now as frustrated as Joseph could be about his brothers hating him, his dad kind of laughing at him when he, when he tells about the dream that he had that, that, uh, that y'all are going to bow down to me and everything, and that, well, the dad said, you know, you need to stop talking like that. Your brothers, the brothers get all, all upset, stick him in a hole, sell him. Okay, this is not going the way that I thought life was going to go. I ended up being sold as a servant slave and uh, didn't see this coming, and I don't know how this is gonna fit into whatever it was that, that I thought was gonna take place. He ends up getting promoted, then falsely accused, ends up in prison. Life goes from bad to just continuing to go downhill and getting worse and worse and worse. And you and I, putting myself in Larry's world, I just said, This is not what I planned. This is not what I wanted this is not good. Circumstances of life have treated me bad, and I don't know uh, if I believed in God, Lord, I don't know why you allowed all this to even happen to me. So we pick up here in chapter 40 verse 1, and it came to pass after these things. uh, Those two phrases are in the Bible several times. That was rather interesting looking that up. And it came to pass after these things, that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker offended uh, their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he he served them, and they continued a season in the ward." And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night. Each man, according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, was bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them. And behold, they were sad. And he said unto Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his lord's house, saying, Wherefore, look ye so sadly today, because I'm in prison. Because, I don't know how, they probably know how they offended the pharaoh, the king. But wouldn't you be? Yeah, Today's not a good day. I went just a couple of days ago. I was standing by the king's, I was the king's cupbearer. I was the king's baker, and now I'm in prison. My life is, is going down the tubes very fast. I'd be sad too. And they said unto him, we have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter thereof. This is an interesting uh, sentence here. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them, uh, tell me them, I pray you. Uh, If you ever want to get shut down real quickly, tell pastor. Let me tell you about the dream that I had. (laughs) Pastor. I don't don't want to hear about some stupid dream you had. You ever had those? uh, uh, The Bible says dreams come by a multitude of business. So there's every once in a while I'll have a dream and I'll I'll wake up in the morning and say, oh, it was because I was thinking about this or I was working on this project. That one makes sense. Most of my dreams make absolutely no sense. Where in the world did that come from? And that's kind of pastor's attitude on all of our dreams. Uh, I I discovered that, I don't know, five or six years ago, I had some strange dream I was going to tell him, but he he shut me down. John, just the other day, Dad, I had a dream last night, pastor shut him down. (laughs) John, I don't care what your your dream was. But I find it interesting, Uh, do not the interpretations belong to God? They belong to God, but if you tell me, I will tell you what your dream is about, is basically what he was saying. And so we're not going to go through that whole passage of, uh, of Scripture there, but uh, so they, they talked to him about it. He says, to, uh, he says, OK, this is the interpretation of your dream. You, are, you were squeezing grapes in the cup. Uh, you know, you're going to be raised up in three days. You're going to be the king's cupbearer again. Uh, well, that was so good. The baker says, ah, this is good. Let me tell you my dream. Bad news on that one. Uh, you've got these three baskets on top of your head and the birds are going to come and eat it. You've got three days and you're going to be dead. King uh, Pharaoh's going to kill you. Verse 14. But think. Uh, uh, so he interprets the dream. Pharaoh does what, uh, what the dream says. He raises up the, uh, the, the cupbearer. Uh, the butler is ends up being killed. Verse fourteen. But think on me, and he tells the he tells the uh, the cupbearer. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kind and show kindness. I pray thee unto unto me, make mention of me under the pharaoh's house, and bring me uh, unto pharaoh, and bring me out of his house. For indeed, I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also, I have done nothing that they should put me in in the dungeon. So just you're going to get back there, please remember me. I I don't want to spend the rest of my days, we have no idea how long his sentence might might have been. So things transpire as they were supposed to be. Verse 23, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph but forget him. Not Not only am I in prison, not only is my life turned taken downturn after downturn after downturn, when I appeal to somebody that might be able to get the king's ear, and obviously he forgot about it, or the king doesn't care. I don't know if Joseph has any idea, it's just that he doesn't hear anything. And it came to pass at the end of two full years. What was going on in your life two years ago? I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to go back and pull up Facebook and see what my remembrances are of what was going on uh, two years ago. It came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, uh, he stood by uh, stood by a river. So Pharaoh has this dream about these cows, uh, seven fat ones, seven skinny ones, and, and all that. And uh, we get down to verse nine, and then the chief butler uh, of Pharaoh saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth in his, uh, with his servants and put uh, put me in ward. And the ca- captain of the guard saw us both me and the chief baker. And I dreamed a dream uh, in one night, and I and he and we dreamed uh, each man according to the interpretation of the of his dream. And there was. There was there with us a young man a Hebrew servant of the captain of the guard and we told him and he interpreted to us our dreams to each man according to his dream and it came to pass as he interpreted it, uh, to us so it was me he restored unto mine house a house mine office excuse me and him he hanged verse 14 then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon And notice what he does. He shaved himself and changed his raiment. So I'm thinking in prison, and he may have been in charge of a bunch of stuff, but there were some things he had no control over. I'm thinking that his hair was long and scraggly, his beard was long and scraggly. Uh, Probably, I don't know how often they change clothes down there in the prison or how often they get a chance to wash him. But he said, Pharaoh's calling for me, but I can't show up like this. I need to clean up a little bit. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered the Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer. Look over at verse 25. So he interprets the dream. Uh, And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. I find that interesting that here is a king of a nation full of false gods. The Amun-Ra was their main god, the, the sun god. But God, for whatever reason, is going to let Pharaoh know this is what's going to take place. And I think the reason he did that was for what's going to take place in our Bible in chapters 42 and 43 and following where... There's going to there's be some abundant times. There's going to be some lean times. I'm going to put Joseph in charge of all that, and his family is coming, and the nation of Israel is going to be. He, God wanted him to know there is a God in heaven. None of your dream interpreters, none of, none of your magicians, none of your prophets or whatever they called them had an answer, but this foreign guy that was in the prison He was able to give an answer, but he says that God, this is what God is doing. So we pick up, let me see. We pick up down here in verse 33. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise. So he's giving. He not only interprets the dream, but he he tells the king what he should do. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and to take a fifth part of the land of Egypt in the in the seven plenteous years and let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let him keep, uh, let them keep food in the cities and that food shall be for store in the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, and land uh, that the land perish not through the famine. Here's this foreigner, pulled out of prison, begins to instruct the, the king, this is what you need to do. Stop and think about that for a minute. That's almost incomprehensible that not only would a foreigner who is not a dignitary have access to the king, but would have a place to be able to say, look, there's some bad times coming and, and you, need, you need to uh, listen to what I have to say. Now, he does not, Joseph does not try to uh, impart, you know, put himself forward. Verse 37, the thing was good in the eyes of the Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom... The Spirit, capital S, Spirit of God is. He says, you know what? That is an excellent idea there, son, young guy, whatever he called him. He says, I'm going to put you in charge. Well, for bad time after bad time after bad time after bad time, I wonder if in the back of Joseph's mind was, this looks like a good promotion, but what? is going to happen next. <laughs> and he ends up being the second in the kingdom. He gets the king's ring and the, the king's seal. He gets to follow the king in his own chariot. And people, as they're riding through the city, are bowing down and praising him and everything. You talk about, I don't know about you, but after you've been burned several times, don't you get a little bit cautious? Don't you get a little bit concerned? I, okay, uh, I wonder what's going to happen next. Cheryl and I have had that happen several times where when we were first in the ministry, every once in a while we would have this really big financial blessing. And we said, yes, we can pay off this bill and we can, we, can, uh, we can work on finishing up paying off the van and everything. Well, it seemed like every time we got one of those offerings and we figured out what we were going to do with it, something else happened. And the money be gone. But the Lord took care of us in another way that we weren't we weren't expecting. And so what the Lord did for us during that th- those times was the church was the one that blessed you. You people being the church. The church is the one that blessed you, but I am your supply. I am the one that's going to take care of you. So the Lord the church provided money to repair the van or whatever it was, whatever the crisis of the month was during that time, but it was God's reminder, I'm in charge, I know where you are, I know where you live, I know what you're going through, but look to me as your provider. Don't look to a church or several churches to be able to take and meet all of your needs. And so Joseph kinda, okay, what just what is gonna take place with with all this and we get down here to verse 44, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all of Egypt. Verse 46, And Joseph was thirty years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. In the seven plenteous years uh, of uh, the earth brought forth handfuls. By the age of 30, as a foreigner, (laughs) a former slave, a prisoner, he's been elevated to the second highest in the kingdom at the age of 30. Just unbelievable. I I try to put that in today's thinking, and it's just beyond my ability to be able to, to grasp all that. So we get down here to verse 57. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph to buy corn because that was uh, because that the famine was so sore in all the lands. Chapter 42, verse 1. Now, now, when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, why do ye look one upon another? Life is about to take an interesting turn of the page as to what's about to take place next. They're going to discover that Joseph is their brother. (laughs) It's second to Pharaoh. And somebody's going to have to own up to dad. I thought Joseph was dead. Uh, Son, how did you get here? Uh, Reuben, Simeon, anybody want to tell dad anything? (laughs) You talk about an uncomfortable time sitting around the table someday when, when dad finally shows up. We could look at that. We know that because of being Bible believers that this is not just a story. This is not just something that somebody thought up, which has been very interesting reading this this book, uh, a walk through the Bible, how the more he reads his Bible and journeys to these different places, he realizes there is a real God. There is we are a special called people to a special land. God has done something great and mighty in our midst. It would be interesting to get to the end of the book, see if the guy ever gets saved or whatever. On the program, I never got. I just saw the one program. I don't know if he ever gets all the, all the way to that, <clears throat> that conclusion. But the average person come up with a story like this would say, man, those were some interesting circumstances. Or... Is it God working in the affairs of men? We have this one interesting story here. We have a few minutes. Turn over to Acts chapter eight. Let me give you another one. That people would say, Now that wow, that's some pretty neat circumstances at how that all worked about worked out. Acts chapter eight. Acts uh, chapter 8, beginning in verse. Well, let's start at verse 25. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached in the preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So the, the disciples, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all those guys, they're going out and they're preaching around. A lot of preaching going on in the with the Samaritans, but they're not staying. They're not continuing to pursue to get the gospel to all the world. They're not going out and planting a church yet, per se, in these situations. They go out and they preach for a little while, and then they come back to Jerusalem. Verse 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, uh, unto the way that goeth down to Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is desert. Uh, That is a a 65-mile journey from Jerusalem to get down there. So what he's being asked to do, I don't know. what The Bible doesn't say if he had a donkey, if he had a camel, or if he's just taking foot transportation, but he's going to have to travel 65 miles to be able to get out to the desert. Could you say if... Even if, you heard, even if you heard a voice from heaven, and I think that was God talking to me, I'm supposed to do what? You realize, Do you realize how long it's going to take me to get there? But yes, sir, Lord, I'm, I'm going. But that's a 65-mile hike. The average, they, they say, the average walk, generally a day's journey is about 20 to 25 miles, depending upon whether you were marching or walking, et cetera, et cetera. So that's going to take him at least three days to get down there. <coughs> Verse 27, And he rose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch under the great authority of Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship. Uh, a man of Ethiopia. The first mention of Ethiopia is found clear back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 13. And the name of the second river is Gion, the same as that uh, that compasseth the land of Ethiopia. Thirty-eight times in the Old Testament Ethiopia is, is referenced. Uh, two notable references that we have is in Numbers 12.1, and Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. A mixed marriage on several levels there, which didn't fly real well, especially with immediate family. And Jeremiah 13, 23, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Those are about the only verses as far as I'm concerned that kind of have jumped up and kind of you know, jogged my memory and thoughts about Ethiopia. I really don't give a whole lot of thought. It's down there in Africa someplace or whatever. But they've got a man from Ethiopia. Who is this man that's from Ethiopia that he's, he's supposed to go down there and uh, he's going to meet? okay. Uh, let's look at verse 27 again. Uh, a eunuch of great authority under Candace the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot and read Isaiah or Isaiah the prophet. And he's reading it out loud. That's an important point. He's reading it out loud. Then the Spirit saith unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Okay, what are the? What about this Ethiopian? I thought about this. He had position. He is not second to. Uh, He's not second to uh, Candace, but he's in a high position. He's in charge of all her treasury. So he's he's, got a, he's very trusted with, uh, with finances for the whole country. He had power. He had position. He had power. He's a representative for the Queen of Ethiopia. Is he a proselyte of Ethiopia? It was not uncommon for Jews to travel and end up in some form of service at this point. Uh, serving somebody else. Uh, so did he come across somebody who was preaching, somebody who told him about the Lord, or somebody that uh, uh, there that was Jewish that said, you know, uh, you're somewhat religious, but if you, if you really, really want to go to church, if you really want to go to temple, you need to go to Jerusalem. That's where the temple of God is. Or was he a Jew that happened under whatever circumstances that ended up there in Ethiopia. All I know was there's a possibility that he was a proselyte. Uh, He had prayer. He went to Jerusalem, it says uh, at the end of that, for to worship. So with worship, there usually is prayer involved. He had persuasion. He was able to talk them into selling him a scroll. The scribes did scrolls on a continual basis because they deteriorated. Occasionally they would be done on animal skins, but most of the time they were done on papyrus, but they were always done for the the temple or the synagogue. Israel was full of synagogues at that time. So for you as a priest, for your synagogue, for your city or your area, to be able to get a scroll, you had to, as a priest, Go and put in your order, or see if they had something. And I don't know was this is what's available today, uh, kind of thing, or you know, okay, we we've got uh, we've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, but if you want any more, you're going to have to come up come back at another time. But the scrolls were only for the priests to use in the synagogues. Yet he was a man of position that somehow or other he convinced somebody, I need. I don't just want, I need one of those scrolls to take back with me to Egypt. Was it circumstances or just mere coincidence that the one that was available was Isaiah? Well, that's, as Pastor King would say, that's pretty quinky dinky, that uh, he ends up with... With Isaiah, uh, that has Isaiah 57 in it, uh, he was prepared to listen. Look at verses 31 and 32. Uh, How can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth in his humiliation... His judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For this life, uh, for his life, is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, "I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this of himself, or some other man?" He was read- ready and willing to listen. Come up and sit with me. He had a peaceful mind. In verse thirty-nine. Uh, We'll just drop down there. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that he that the eunuch saw him no more, and he re, uh, went on his way rejoicing. See, so he, he's got a peaceful mind. But what were the circumstances to all this? God had to get the preacher, how many miles? Uh, 65 miles down the road into a desert. Circumstance number one. Circumstance number two, the Ethiopian eunuch had to be coming through <laughs> wherever the preacher was at that time. I mean, there, the, I, I never looked up to see how big this desert is or how long the road is that goes through the desert. But the having to work out the circumstances to, for both of them to meet on a place in the desert at the same time. And he's riding in his chariot and he's reading Isaiah out loud. He's not just reading. I mean, how many times do you read something out loud, even when you're by yourself? I very seldom do. I very seldom do. But here, this guy, he's reading the scriptures out loud. And he's come to some very specific passages of scripture at that very specific time that the Lord has has got the two of them meeting up. Other circumstances. He's, been, he's already been to Jerusalem. He's already been up there to worship. He's already invested in, he probably bought a sacrifice. He's had that offered up for himself. He purchased a he purchased a scroll, yet he's still searching to know more about God. There's something that I'm missing. I don't normally do this. Uh And I don't mean any embarrassment whatsoever, but we have a a lady here, Sandy, that I got to talking to her in between Sunday school and the morning service. Very interesting testimony on her search for God, and even how she ended up over here. But were you searching for God, or was God searching for you? As I've said in my testimony, I, I didn't get saved until I was 31 years of age, That dead-end road can go for a long ways. It can take you to a whole bunch of places that you'll have great regrets over. I wasn't even looking for God at the time. But he knew where I was. He knew what was going on in my life. He knew what was going on in our home and our marriage. And when Cheryl began to seek after God, he revealed himself. I responded to what the Lord did in her life and prayed a prayer. But it took me almost another four years before I got to the end of myself to say, I need God. This turning over a new leaf, this, this uh, joining a Baptist church, this doing the best I can, this reading my Bible, something, something, something didn't mesh. Something didn't take. There was no joy, there was no peace, and there was no real change in my life after a couple years. Oh, it was easy to put on a, a front. There was a, there was a lot of interest in being in the Bible preaching church where uh, they were opening up the Bible. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday, and y'all have church on Wednesday also? That was completely different from anything that I was ever raised with. Completely different than anything that I ever thought about. But hey, this is interesting. But unless you're saved, you're just going through the motions. He was still searching for God after already having been up to Jerusalem, probably already offering up a sacrifice, already having some time in worship, already having purchased a scroll. He was still searching for God to know him better. Then he sees the pool. We, We jumped over that. Verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered, excellent answer. He answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Well, I don't know what all he learned when he was in Ethiopia. I don't know what all he heard when he was up in Jerusalem. I don't know how much he was getting out of the scriptures that he read. But it all came together when he was sitting there listening to Philip explain things to him. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the uh, eunuch. And he baptized them. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. I don't know what it was like the day that you got saved. The day that I finally got saved and realized that I was saved, that my sins were forgiven. I wasn't dancing around or anything like that, but God did a, a joyful thing in my heart for me to finally have it settled after these last four years of struggling along trying to be a Christian all by myself. Thank you, Lord. He saw a pool of water. Where are they? They're in the desert. Do you know how many pools of water there are in the desert? What a coincidence that was! They meet up. He's reading out loud. Oh, could you? Who is this guy? Who is this writer talking about? Come up and sit with me. They're riding down the road. He gets to the place of understanding and he looks over. It's not even pointed. out. He looks over and he sees a pool, a pond, some water. How far from the time the explanation of the scriptures started till they got to the pool of water. But right on time. What unusual circumstances, huh? And then, <laughs> he said, what doth hinder me to be baptized? After hearing the gospel and believing, it didn't take another Bible study. It didn't take coming to church for, uh, for four more days or 12 more services or six more months. It didn't even take 30 minutes. He says, I need to be baptized. I need, I, I need to get baptized. He asked to be baptized. We see people saved and then we have to convince them. Okay, I don't care whether you don't have church background or not, but if you have a church background you probably got baptized as a baby. Baptism is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You didn't get that when you were sprinkled as a baby, and it comes, as I said, after salvation. It's a picture of what the Lord has done. And Then what happens? Not only did he ask to get baptized, he left rejoicing. It wasn't just a prayer. It wasn't just a baptism going through the motions. It was a testimony in time, and praise, service, Testimony and time and praise. We've been in a couple of churches, a couple, we've been in a boatload of churches down south. We have been in a a handful of very unusual services where they will sing a few songs and the pastor will say, uh, does anybody have a testimony? We have been in, uh, we've been in one church in particular where this has happened three different times where they started out people standing up and giving testimonies. It may have been Some of them gave testimony about salvation. Some of them gave testimony about what God was doing in their life. Somebody gave testimony of what God was teaching them out of the Bible, where the testimonies got so good that we never did have preaching but there wasn't a, hardly a dry eye in the place and in two of those three services we were in as people were giving testimonies about halfway through people just on their own got up and just walked down to the aisle and uh, w- would get over to a place by the altar and just start praying about whatever or thanking God about whatever I don't know it was it wasn't one of those southern uh, testimony things where people are making laps around the church or anything like that. But God moved in an unusual way in those testimony services where people just, they couldn't contain themselves. I want to thank God for, and then they'd fill in the blank for uh, for five minutes or ten minutes, uh, occasionally give a, uh, well we won't down, wander down that road because she's not even in here. I've heard a couple of good <laughs> testimonies. Anyway, When God moves in, when God moves in, does He know where you live? Does He know what's going on in your life? Before salvation, He's trying to get your attention. After salvation, He's just saying, please, follow me. I believe this is where we started my first Wednesday night. and continued on with it on last Sunday when he spoke to uh, Peter, and uh, Peter, James, and John, and they all left their, They all left the boat. They left all that great big haul of fishes behind. We still don't. Nobody's come up and explained to me what happened to those fish yet, but they all began to follow him. This has not necessarily been a series that I put together, thought about, but it's, it's basically about following the Lord. What circumstances is God doing in your life to get your attention to say it's not just religion, it's not just a prayer, it's salvation. It's having that personal relationship with me. When when I was really confronted with Larry do you recognize you are a sinner? Oh yes, oh yes. Now that will offend some people. It didn't didn't offend me because I knew the places I'd been. I knew the things that I'd done. And I had grown up enough in church that I knew that I'd sinned against the Holy God. I just didn't realize that there was a relationship. There was a calling on him and saying, Lord, I recognize I'm a sinner and I'm coming to you to ask you to please, please forgive me of my sin and change me and make me into a new, the Bible says, a new creature, a new person. I am not happy with the way my life is going. I'm not happy with what I have allowed myself to get involved in. But, Lord, I am not happy with my sin, and I cannot carry this sin any longer. Please forgive me. The benefit is we get to go to heaven. He didn't die so we could go to heaven. He died to forgive us of our sin. What kind of circumstances has God brought into your life? Are you seeking for God? Or is he seeking for you? This can be on a couple of levels, and we'll close with this. There can be a seeking after God because we realize there's more to life. There's more to life than this. There is a Savior out there. There's a God who loves me. The Bible keeps telling me that. Uh, My friends keep telling me that. My spouse keeps telling me that. Whatever. There's a God that loves me. And I need to be saved. Then after we're saved, uh, there's a seeking after God. Okay, Lord, I'm saved. Now what do you want me to do? Now now what? Now what do I do with my next step? Now, and I'd say... Now where do I go to church? Y'all are in church. Except for you folks sitting at home. <laughs> but what is it that God wants you to do with your life? But Larry, you don't understand. I work at a factory. Fine. Start with where you are. Uh, God's not, probably not going to ask you to quit your job and become a missionary to Togo, West Africa. But he's got some things that he wants you to do here where you live. Are you seeking after God? Lord, what next? Is, is, there, is there something else? When I got saved, I was, working, uh, I was working in a machine shop. I worked on a punch press. And uh, I worked second shift, so I wasn't able to go to church on, on Wednesday nights. But I used that time when my family was in church and I was unable to. I said, Lord, this time that I'm on working on this punch press, I'm going to sing and rejoice in what you have done. I'm going to pray to you. That was some of the most profitable times that I had, not just because I was getting peace rate, and uh, I did much better because I developed a rhythm on on the punch press. But I opened myself up to the Lord and said, Is there something more? Is there something more that you want me to do besides work on a punch press Monday through Friday? Lord, is there a Sunday school class that I can assist, that I can teach? Is there, is there, do you want me to sing in the choir? I don't really think that you want me to because I have a hard time singing and keeping in the choir. But I, I was in the choir for a while, but I have to have a bass on each side of me <laughs> just to keep me on key. Because if I've got a bass over here and a tenor over here, it's not going to work. It just, Lord, what is it? What is it you want me to do? What? circumstances has God worked in your life or is he bringing about his involvement in the affairs of men everyone standing heads bowed eyes closed Isaiah 55 verse 6 says seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near There was a point in time, as I just mentioned, that I had to call upon him for forgiveness of sins and to start that walk, that journey on a new life with him. I continue to seek after the Lord. I continue to follow him and as I do, the Lord continues to guide and direct in my life. Is that your case? As the organ as the instruments begin to play. If you need to calm down or you want to come down to the altar and find a spot as we close out the service for you to say, Lord, here I am. I'm offering myself again to you. Uh, it's, is it for salvation? Is it for spiritual growth? Or is it just, Lord, I want to hand you a blank piece of paper again and I want you to continue to direct in my life. Circumstances, Or is God working in the affairs of men? As the organist begins to play. Does anybody in here say Larry?